and welcome back to episode 10. We've made it to number 10 of the Weekly Tech Round. Woo. I'm Jay. I'm Carl. Ah, uh, Carl, we, we've done it. We've gone into double figures. Now, that may be double figures in uh, listeners, maybe. Um, just about. <laughs> and we're on double figures of the podcast. So this is, it's, I think this is a great step forward. A, a little momentous occasion. I will raise my coffee as uh, no alcohol tonight in, uh, in celebration. Yeah, me too. Excellent. So it's been, it's been a good week. Um, been a wet week here in the UK. Uh, but there's been some interesting tech news, some updates in the, the gadget world. And we've got some games talk this week, which I know we, we haven't talked really about games too much for the last few weeks. Um, so we've got a few things to cover there. So I guess let's, let's kick it off this evening with some news updates. Um, and unsurprisingly, we are going to talk about Apple. No, nope, no, we're not. We're going to talk about Google tonight. <laughs> so... An interesting story we picked up uh, was that Google, uh, from the next version of uh, Android, so what we are now 11, aren't we? Yes, Android 12, they're going to uh, allow developers, um, oh, sorry, I'm going to say they're going to require developers, I should say, to use Google's in-app billing system. Um, so I didn't, I didn't realize this actually, I have to say, cause I'm not that much of an Android user apart from testing and, you know, and work stuff. I don't really tend to use too many of the perfect apps, but I didn't realize that actually Google allow, um, developers to use their own purchase platform. Yeah, they do. So yeah, they can embed their own one, take credit card details in the app. Um, yeah. So obviously I think that's what Google not clamping down on, but I suppose much like Apple, there's associated costs of running play and distributing the apps and if, if you're using a different payment method they're not getting any cut of that so it seems they're doing a u-turn and requiring all developers to use the play store billing platform yeah and like you say this is definitely the apple model and apple have been using this since day one and we know <laughs> we know all too well about a certain developer um who funnily enough google themselves call out i think in their statement uh, so you know at yeah. the moment yeah you know, i think you know so netflix spotify uh, are two of the other big names there uh, who use their own billing platform. So you sign up for the app, you put in your, I guess, credit card details and off you trot with payments through their platform, isn't it? It is. And I'm sure I, I'm pretty sure I read this right, but then just like Apple, they're not going to allow you to even advertise that you can buy this outside the place, are they? No, I don't think they are. So this, the kind of the, the statement from Google, basically, I think was saying that they want to enforce um, a clear policy across all developers and they want to clarify you know how that works and as you say you're right that's around the rules around how the developers embed the, the payment platform into the system as you say how they advertise it how they use subscriptions um and they want to enforce it you know so it's so they as they say that it's fair so everybody's on the same platform and then uh, yeah. they i quote not only does this approach allow us to continuously reinvest in the platform this business model aligns to our success directly with the success of developers that almost sounds like it came out of Cupertino. Yeah, I was going to say, so obviously Google have been very, very quiet on the whole epic lawsuit. So is this them finally uh, firing some warning shots? Well, it is. And <laughs> you say that, and it's interesting because come on to another point around another Google story in a second that may, you'll see the link when I say it, um, is you can't help but wonder, you're right, they've been very quiet around this. You know, they, they, they obviously kicked Epic off the, the, the Play Store, didn't they, as well? They were uh, stated in one of the court, you know, documents around, you know, the, you know, being being um, sued, as it were. Um, yeah, you're yeah. right. They 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 kind of be sat there, and then this comes out. It doesn't come into effect until a year's time, so September 2021. So it gives them yeah. a year to to bring it in. Um, and it says they're also going to align all of their first party apps into the policy. Um, which interestingly, yeah. the only app that doesn't follow this process today is YouTube. Ah, okay, interesting. So yeah, you just think being a first party app, they'd all do it by default. Yeah. So on that. Point, and you mentioned Epic around you know the whole thing. Yeah. So also this week, Google then announced that from Android 12, so again next year, they're going to make it easier to allow users to install and use third-party app stores. So it, is this kind of Google's way of saying, if you want to use our Play Store, you use our billing, just like Apple. If you don't want to, go build your own Play Store and shoulder uh, your app store and shoulder the cost. But we'll make it easier. I don't know how easy this is going to be for your users to install it. <laughs> yeah. So. You know, Google up to this point, let's be honest, you know, compared to Apple, Google have been pretty open around where you can get your apps from, haven't they? You know, because you've got the official have, yeah. yeah, you've got the official Play Store, you can sideload app, can you know use the um enterprise apps, obviously similar to Apple in that respect. But you could also install third party stores. And though some of those third party stores were built into the devices, so Samsung's a great example of that, isn't it? Yes. Um yep. Huawei, Huawei today for for hmm, I wonder why. Um yep. and Amazon and with their they had what was it the underground app store was that the one they had previously I think so yeah is that still there or just got the Amazon app store on the fire tablets and stuff and that's about all you get up I would need to check but I have a 
feeling, I think it's just a standard app store, isn't it? Yeah, you're right. So they're now saying that next year, they're going to make it much easier to allow, you know, people to install their own, their own app stores and developers to use them as well. And so this has come about, I think, around the Epic thing. So when, Ep- as you say, you know, Epic um, got pulled from the Play Store, you know, they cited billing practices and, you know, the lawsuit, as we know, accused Google as well as Apple. And then in the blog post that they released at the same time around this, uh, which was uh, on the 28th, um, they said each store is able to decide its own business model and consumer features. This openness means that even if a developer and a Google don't, do not agree on the business terms, the developer can still distribute on the Android platform. This is why Fortnite, for example, is available from the Epic Store or from other app stores, including Samsung Galaxy. Is this their get out of jail? I think it might be. Yeah, yeah I suppose so. It's their way of making more money by because pretty much everyone's just going to use the play store it's built in it's got the widest uh audience uh but yeah it's a get out jail free card for the other developers who kick up a fast like epic say well you've got the tools to do it now go for it i, I guess you know it's on the along the lines that they're trying to obviously they're never going to apple are never going to allow uh, unless their hand is forced are they um no. and even though we're hearing rumors that you're going to be allowed to use uh we'll say the x cloud gaming service on ios again um it's very unlikely you'll be able to buy games won't through that service is you know or if you do as i think we talked about in a previous episode um it's very likely that each one of those uh games is going to be listed as an individual entry in the app store rather than through the the app or the service itself as this however means that Google are now applying the same rules to all developers. They're going to allow them to buy stuff through the app. But my my question here is, and it doesn't really state here, are they going to uh, are they going to implement that billing APR into their into um, these apps? Well, I presume if you're building your own app store, you're doing your own payment process. Well, that, I, wrong. well, that's what I'm saying. I'm curious. I'm curious because, you know, if you change, if, if Google, are, you know, one hand is saying that you can't use your own payment processor going forward next year, you've got to use the in-app purchase payment processor. Does that also apply to the third-party app store? In which case, are they kind of doing an Apple in one respect by giving you with one hand and then taking you away with the other? I'm not suggesting well, that's I the case. I'm just, it's not clear. I, I read it as if you're using the Play Store, you use our API, our payment process. But if you don't want to use that, build your own store and use your own payment. Maybe that's the case. And maybe you're right. They're trying to address now that, you know, that if you are, that by bringing the third party app stores in, they're going to have a set of rules, obviously, around those app stores, aren't they? So if you want to use an app store of your own design, it's going to have to yeah. meet all of the Google prerequisites, all of the security, everything along that side, yeah. which should hopefully yeah. close the loophole on nefarious ones, which there are quite a few of those knocking around in, in the Android world. Yeah. But I, I do kind of wonder how, how are the equal footing that's going to have? So obviously Google's had a drive with Android 10 and 11 i'm sure definitely 12 start backgrounding apps to reduce power usage you know to keep up with they've gone very much apple like you know uh so if these third party app stores will they be able to do app updates in the background or the stores themselves like to be background it's a good point and you know the my, my you know my big sort of bugbearer i know i know i'll get shot for this and there'll be hate mail i know this you know is the fragmentation in the android <laughs> in the world and i know i'll get killed by several people i won't name names in in, in the in our industry in our community will be like you're crazy there isn't fragmentation anymore it's much better okay but you're creating fragmentation here again because if you don't have a single app store you've got multiple app stores people are going to have like where do i get an app from now it could be that most most people will stick to the Play Store because it's tried tested. You know so. yep. And it'll be like it was before. If you want, I don't know, insert name of game like Fortnite, you can get it from the insert name of game store Epic, you know, yep. um, and that'll be the case. Now, obviously, Samsung is a great example of preloaded App Store. Uh, and I yep. actually, I, re- I recently just this weekend set up um, a Samsung phone for my grandfather. So he'd been he'd been gifted uh, this Samsung AA device um, by my mum's partner who who'd kind of no longer needed it it's a couple of years old and he was going to replace the huawei that he's been rolling with for the last year or so which is probably not a bad thing um but i set it up and it had the samsung app store on it and i kind of took one look at it and was like what do i need that for and there was loads of yeah. when i set it up it also said do you want to install these apps and it's quite interesting because a lot of them are the kind of like you know bloatware style Samsung stuff, which I could untick, yep. um, and it didn't install them, which I thought was quite clever. But then it kind of got me it thinking: like, of what, yeah. what's the point of the App Store from Samsung? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it handles their device backup as well. If you want to use Samsung device backup, you have to have be signed in the store, I think. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Samsung have got their own native app, place the Google ones, uh, which some of them are quite nice, uh, and they all do kind of gel together. Uh, but they're only available on the uh, Samsung. Yeah, again, though, unless you have a real need. And you know, in this case, 
I didn't use any of the Samsung native apps. I moved to all the Google services because that's what he was used to email. So, you know, the kind of like my argument was here, I don't need those apps. But I guess you're right. If you're, you need those or you use them, then you could go to that Samsung store and pick them up. But there is just, just you know, for me, it just, it just to me adds another layer of complexity and fragmentation. Um, and like, I'm not, I know we had the monopolies argument and I know it's like, well, you know, why shouldn't there be choice? But, you know, actually the Apple argument, sometimes it works, you know, like, say it often but like you know in our industry people like you know we, we work on tech all day we work on complicated systems and platforms actually sometimes i just want something to work and that for me like an iphone and this isn't an advert this is just a kind of opinion like i pick it up and it works you know the app stores where the apps are stuff work you know it there isn't you can pick a lot up of... any i device and it's consistent yeah it doesn't exactly matter the... if it's an iphone 6s or an iphone 11 or a brand new 12 it all works the same way and you know where you are. Just get on and do what you want to do. Exactly my point. You're right. There is consistency across the platform. And I appreciate not everybody wants an iDevice, you know, hence the reason why we have other manufacturers and services. Oh, exactly. Yep. Um, but the case could be the same. You know, let's take Samsung. You know, they are getting better at it. But a few years back, there was they had fragmentation in their own product lineup and experience across the device, you know, and it's the same can be said for some of the other smaller vendors as well, that they tend to have, you know, different experiences on the devices. Now it's Android underneath, but it isn't necessarily the same. Um, I don't want to say flavor because, but the same experience um, and the UI across the board, but you know, I guess we'll see. This could be interesting. And I, I think you're right. I think we're seeing here potentially, um, I don't know, fallout from from the epic lawsuit whether or not you know they're thinking down the line could this happen again how do we make this better but yeah this is an interesting turn of events and uh yeah i i want to see next year so next september what happens and which apps and which developers build app stores because you know we could say the obvious ones but it might be that we see other developers decide to group all of their own apps together and sell them independently it might well do but obviously we're going to see epic one they've got a store now so i'm sure (laughs) google have given the option they're not going to not take it because that would just be stupid uh shoot themselves in the foot but yeah who else uh, could we see ea they like a good store don't they <laughs> they do like a good store but as we've seen recently they've they're not giving their origin platform a lot, lot of love you've now no. got ea partnerships with steam don't forget their back games are back on yeah. steam now you can also get they've got their partnership with microsoft they just announced you can get the games on microsoft it's like you know yeah. well, actually ea ea probably would partner with somebody else <laughs> could we see steam make an entrance well that's a good point because at the moment, can you buy? I've never. Can you buy games through the app? Yeah, I'm sure you can, no. can't you? Can, yeah, I can buy. Well, I can buy PC games through through the app, uh, but I can't. I don't do any iOS. Or oh Android. yeah, yeah. Sorry, I see your point. Yeah, sorry, I was. Yeah, I was kind of stuck in my PC uh, world. Could then, they yeah. build a Steam app store to say, well, just come to us. You can now publish on PC. You can publish on your Android as well. Maybe, maybe not. Oh no, that's you know what? That's an argument I hadn't thought of. That yeah, that could be that could be a good example. You're right. They could, because Steam makes uh, Valve make a lot of their money. In fact, most of their money now, don't they, through public publish uh, publishing and distribution. Yeah. So yeah. Who knows? They've got the infrastructure. Why not? Yeah, exactly. That's a good one. I hadn't thought about that. Okay. Well, I uh, will have to see the money's on the table then if Steam pull out (laughs) an app store. Okay. Okay. So what else? This I told you. I told you it was going to be a Google week. So this week as well, Google have released a brand new. well, I don't want to call it a Chromecast, but it looks like a Chromecast. It kind of does it injustice, doesn't it? Just calling it a Chromecast. Well, yeah, but they are calling it a Chromecast. Or Google, yeah, it is a new Chromecast. So this new um, <laughs> new new Chromecast uh, dongle, like that word always makes me sort of look oddly. Um, so this is their, <laughs> this is their first uh, new streaming device um, released um, in the Chromecast lineup for a couple of years since they released the Chromecast Ultra. Now I've got an Ultra, in fact I've got an Ultra and I've got the one before that as well. They are awesome devices. Um, I think actually just makes streaming so simple. So this one is really aimed at actually this the new Google TV, isn't it? It's Google TV. Um, it yeah. comes with a remote, looks similar to kind of like, I don't know, like, a bit like a bit like a cross between an Apple remote and a Roku remote, I think it looks like to me. So its official title is Chromecast with Google TV. There you go. There you go. And that explains exactly what it is. It is Google's entry into the Apple TV slash Android uh, Fire Stick Roku market, really. Is but remember, this this is an Android TV because we also have Android TV. This is Google TV is apparently yeah. different. But is this Android TV in a new skin? I I think so. Yeah, it kind of sounds like it does. Uh, but it does look a very very good device. Uh, obviously, it's 4K. You know, it does uh does your HDR even does Dolby Vision. So they've obviously licensed that. It's got the Google Assistant built in as well. Yeah. So I don't know whether you have to use the remote to trigger that or just say OK Google. And the dongle picks it up. I don't know I think, yet. 
I think on the remote, I'm sure I saw like a little button that looked like, you know, the three little circles for the assistant on the button. Okay, on the, yeah. So it might be, like you say, button control. But yeah, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, odd one is it doesn't support Stadia. Stadia? How are we pronouncing that? It doesn't support their game streaming service yet. Yet. An app. And there's also another interesting feature, or I don't know whether it's an omission perhaps, is yep. you're right about the Stadia Stadia. And then when I looked into it, it's wireless only. So apparently Crank- I did. We could put a USB-C hub in there attach a USB-C uh, network adapter and it did work. Yeah, but they weren't, but the official ones for this model hadn't, weren't going on sale yet, were they? No, they're not. No. So, so you'd have to use then the Chromecast Ultra one, um, which does support Stadia Stadia uh, to, to get that. And I have to say, so I use, I use Ethernet with my um, Chromecast Ultra, even though it's okay. sat almost, you know, what I want to say, a, a foot away from my um, Ubiquiti hub, uh, you know, so it gets, you know, there's, there's effectively AC 2300 uh, speed, yeah. I still think Ethernet gives <laughs> a much, much solid, more solid approach. But to get that then on this, like you say, you'd have to potentially use that USB-C dongle or wait for the official one to Does be shipped. Does that dongle have a, a pass-through for power at the one you come with? Yeah, yeah. So oh, it's... It it, it, it's um, so the thing, the Chromecast plugs into the back of the TV, uh, then the power adapter plugs into the Chromecast, and then you plug the USB, uh, you plug Ethernet into the power adapter. Gotcha. Okay, makes sense. Because I've, I've got one of the, not the 4K ones, the previous one to that's actually just packed up. I don't know what's going on with it. It, it kind of boots up and then you just get enough TV goes blank screen. That's, uh, that's uh, yeah, definitely something wrong with that. I've got, I've, I've my... said it, it just does the same. <laughs> Half the time you don't even get the Google spinning logo, you know, when it powers up. So I think that's time to go in the bin and get one of these. Well, yeah. Yeah, you'll be lucky because they they're not officially on sale in the UK and they've sold out completely in the US. Yeah, of course they have. That seems to be a running theme at the moment with every hardware lord. Yeah, so I think they're what's it? The the US prices were around fifty dollars yes. um, yeah. for this. So the, the original Chromecast is around thirty, isn't it? I think give or take, and the HDR one um, bumps that up to close to seventy, which is I think in the UK I think I paid around sixty for my my Chromecast Ultra. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's kind of in the middle there. You get I the think you get the t- going to be fifty nine, are they in the UK? Forty, sure, so, yeah, I think forty nine ninety nine. I think you're right, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and they come. I mean, they, it comes in new different colors. So you get it in you get it in um, Sky Sunrise. Um, I don't know if that class... So there's like a, a blue, a pink, and a white. I'm guessing sky is blue and sunrise is pink. I, I, I'm probably wrong there completely, but um, yeah, they're quite nice. Um, so the apps on it I saw as well, though. It's, so it supports... What was it I saw? Uh, Netflix, wasn't it? So Netflix, um, Disney+, Plus, HBO Max, Hulu... Uh, Prime Video, BT Sport, ITV Hub, those kind of things. Yeah, I mean, so it, fits, it does fit in nicely, I have to say. I mean, so... And I, I, I really like the idea. I mean, so... For me, you know, for example, I've got, uh, <laughs> what services don't I have? Uh, and I say that with sarcasm. Um, you know, I've got a Sky TV box here, so Sky Q, so the, you know, the satellite yep. service in the UK. So that's kind of our main thing. But I also pay for Netflix. I've got Disney Plus. I've got Amazon Prime. Um, you love us, don't you, Jay? <laughs> oh, yeah, that comes from, comes from the mouth of the man with a subscription for everything. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so like in, it, downstairs, it's not a problem because the Skybox is quite clever. It, it's got Disney Plus and Netflix built in, so they're kind of handy. Okay. But, it, yep. but in the bedroom, I've got, a sky kind of like uh, sat- uh, <laughs> when I say satellite I don't I don't mean in satellite TV I mean as in satellite as in you know separate bulb um, that, yep. that talks over its own uh, wireless connection to the master skybox downstairs yes. um, which is cool but then I've also got a Roku plugged in and the Chromecast because I like to Plex uh, sometimes you know in bed I like to watch a film on Plex which I cast on my my phone or, or whatever usually the phone but this would yeah. be if this supports plex this would be super handy because i could get yeah, away it's with... got the play store it should do it's from what i've seen of air downs it's using a well regarded chip so there should be no problem with uh hardware acceleration on it well exactly i'm thinking i could get rid of the roku now the only reason i've got the roku in there is i had it from a beta test a few years back and i got given it and it's a good little device but really i don't use it too much and to be frank with you the interface is terrible um yeah but and, you know, Netflix, I watch regularly Amazon. And again, if I want to watch Amazon in bed, I've got to cast it to the Chromecast again. So having something that we've built in, you know, again, would be a great device. So I, I'm, I'm keen to get on these. And I know you are as well, because you were kind of intrigued a bit by the gaming side of it as well, weren't you? Yeah. So apparently people have been running uh, xCloud on it, and that works very nicely. I think it might be limited to 720p at the moment, but... Uh... 
I'm sure those bugs will be ironed out, and but yeah, it could be a nice little device for the bedroom. Yeah, not about exactly, and or you know, or even the kids' rooms. Get a couple well, of those, and we can get our subscription. It's not a bad idea, is actually. You're right, and 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 if it is going to have some of those stores, a uh, Play Store, I'm guessing there would be ways in it to to manage this and secure it as well, parental control. So yeah, I'm I'm keen to see when this comes out. I, I think I might pick one of these up when they're eventually available to buy here in the UK. <laughs> But um, yeah, it should be should be pretty good. So um, yeah, this is a device, another device for the house, which uh, yeah, my wife will be so happy about, so so happy about. Ah, <laughs> uh, so we haven't forgotten Apple this week, and there is a bit of Apple news as well. And this one uh, comes straight out of the antitrust, uh, <laughs> the antitrust lawsuit bucket. Yeah. Uh, you know, because you know it, it wouldn't it wouldn't be a week goes by without one of the big tech companies getting sued by somebody. So this one actually is a little bit different. So this comes out of the EU uh, with a story that. Uh, according to the so-called Digital Services Act uh, that the EU has, um, this could be a change in how Apple uh, have to have their on-app devices. So I think today you get your Apple device. Uh, we were talking like the Samsung thing earlier. You get your mail, the browser, all that kind of stuff, don't you, on yep. there? This could be a case that actually they'll have to either allow you to not install them i guess at power on first time or uh you were or they won't be available on the devices and you'll have to pull them off the store rather than have them pre-installed you um, can already delete them. well that's a good point because that will change isn't it? delete but you can remove the mail and well not safari at the moment you probably can buy os 14 can't you no i mean you still need to use the engine but uh yeah you can delete most of the inbuilt app that's it well exactly that's what uh, this is the thing so you can i mean uh, so actually, I've got my phone here. It's running iOS 14. I've gone to you know uh, remove app Safari. You can't remove it. You can only remove from the home screen. Gotcha. Okay. Because you can with the mail, can't you? And you can with uh, say a podcast built in, Apple Music built in, yeah. and all those kind of taken off. So you're right. Exactly that. So. Back in iOS 11, I think it was, or 12, I think, was it one of the two? Um, you're right. They allowed us to allow people to remove some of the stock applications, weren't they, as you just said. Yeah. And then iOS 14 brought in the ability to really mix it up and allow you to install, you know, Outlook as your mail client, Chrome as your browser. And I, when default. I say install, yeah, default browser, exactly that. So the phone device uses that every time. Now, there have been some odd, odd you know, people have discovered that, on reboot, sometimes it defaults back, which I don't know whether it's a bug or a feature. <laughs> fixed in the latest uh, uh, update that came out. Yeah, I was going to say, as I say, more bug than feature. <laughs> yeah. But you know, this is this is interesting. I mean, they currently the EU apparently have got two investigations into the App Store and one into Apple Pay. Um, because I know there was a story before that you know they were trying to get Apple to force it to allow its NFC technology to be used by other payments. To me, yes. I don't like the sound of that. I have to say, I think allowing Apple the device to control the cards is no different than you know any other you know it, to, to 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 me using my physical card. The fact that it uses a device is the you know the pure enclave. It verifies it with biometric thing. It's probably safer sometimes than pulling out my card in the shop. Um, yeah. Actually, would I want other apps to start pulling in that information? Why complicate the matters? That the Apple Pay process. Works really well, and I have to say the same on you know Android. I've seen app, um, excuse me, Google Pay again. Quite a slick, um, quite a slick process. So you know, getting mixed up with other payment processes could be interesting. Now I know yeah. in the I know as I say I know in Android, Samsung have Samsung Pay, don't they? So I know that they kind do, of yeah. counters the argument. Um, but yeah, I don't know what. What's your thoughts here? Would you be Would you be fussed if let's say you got your iPhone? Thirteen and it had no stock apps on it and you had to choose them. I mean, that fast. I'm probably going to down. I, I delete quite a lot of them anyway. You know, I, I use Safari and I use the Mail, but I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of two minds there. But I mean, the EU did this with Microsoft what twenty years ago. Yeah, about IE being well, yeah, in Explorer being built in. Oh. Internet Explorer is still built in there and you still can't remove it. And now I've got Edge's default. Uh, why is this any different to that? And why is this any different to Google by? by having the Play Store on there and Chrome as the default. That's Why Apple do... in this case? Why aren't they taking all the others to task over? Yeah, and we, that Microsoft one's a good example. Do you remember with, was it, I want to say, was it XP, wasn't it? That they, or, um, or was it 7, where they ended up with the browser choice window? Do you remember that? You, know, you, had to, you could choose what browser you wanted. Seven, but yeah. XP had the, I want to say the, I think it was XP, had the N versions that didn't come with media player, because that was another one that got targeted. That's right, they did. That's right, you've got the N versions that just, uh, don't have the bundled media. I, you know, it, it, I, I don't know. I'm, I think if I was setting the phone up and it had like a load of tick boxes saying, you know, do you want to install, do basically, do you want to enable, like you say, Safari, Mail, whatever. I don't think I'd be too well, like bothered. With that Samsung store, with that Samsung device set up where it just says, we recommend these apps, do you want to install them? Exactly. I don't think it'd be a problem there massively. And, you know, Apple are pretty much close to that already with the rules they're giving us. But again, this is the EU going after 
monopolies going after the antitrust you know argument here again obviously the eu are not happy as well because you know they've got that apple had that recent lawsuit didn't they or that sorry court decision uh, around the 14 billion dollar tax bill that that they got yeah. embroiled with over in ireland and uh, the recent decision from that court that kind of was more in Apple's favour than it was in the EU, wasn't it? Uh, it is. It just kind of smacks as a bit of revenge. I, I'm, I haven't looked too deeply into this, but what's the betting that the fine is 14 billion? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or somewhere th- around that figure. <laughs> Give or take a billion. 13.9 or something. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, again, like like we spoke about when we talk about, you know, the upcoming, you know, the iPad, recent iPads and USB-C and all that kind of stuff, you know, standardisation, you know, there's a lot of stuff here around that the EU are trying to do it does have some good outcomes, but I think it's the way they go about it here again. To the detriment of the consumer, I don't know. To the annoyance of the consumer, probably yes. <laughs> in having, to, yeah, having to set through. But yeah, again, just a, an interesting one. Again, whether that'll, whether it'll go anywhere, who knows? But yeah, based on history, there's a good chance something will happen. Definitely, definitely. Okay, Carl. So we've covered a lot of news tonight. So let's uh, let's just change subject a little bit. Let's talk about ESXi. I know it's a subject ah, yes. so close to your heart. <laughs> it is indeed. <laughs> I, I do tell. love Eli. Do tell. Uh, so obviously, I, I am a Proxmox man at the moment. Oh, I was until <laughs> a week or two ago. Uh, but hey, I've used ESXi uh, in the past for many, many happy years. But uh, I changed jobs, no longer had access to VMware licensees. So I'd make the move to Proxmox. Hey, it's been great. But uh, I've now started a new job and uh, it entails me using ESXi. So I've begrudgingly started to make the move back again. Um, this sounds like a yeah. familiar tale. I know. You've done the same, haven't you? Um, <laughs> so it's been an interesting journey. Obviously, you kind of forget how much of a beast ESXi is, or, or vCenter, I should say, and the kind of cost of entry. Proxmox is very, very light. I can build clusters instantly. It doesn't have to have a vCenter. Every every node it can be a master node to the to the cluster. Obviously, it's not quite like that with ESXi. You need the vCenter to kind of orchestrate that. It requires what was it? Is it twelve gig of RAM and four hundred gig of hard drive base? Well, have you just yeah. found out, haven't you? <laughs> well, I was just going to say, you know, you had well, you had your own little problems with the hundred and twenty gig of um, space that it tried to steal on on just hypervisor. Oh yeah, install. ESXi. Oh, vSphere seven. Sorry, uh, has new requirements and tries to reserve uh, basically 120 odd gigas for something. I still haven't entirely figured out what. So when you go to install it, you have to do some custom boot commands to put out something more reasonable when you've only got 128 gig SSD in there. Yeah, and like I discovered, as you pointed out, the, uh, the 400 plus gig used by uh, vCenter, uh, vCenter 7, I should say. Um, that's for a install. small deployment. Yeah, and that was on a small deployment, but 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 that's also after reinstalling it three times in a row getting quite frustrated and forgetting to tick the thin rather than thick provisioning of the storage and then wondering why wondering why my data store disappeared i'm like where did that storage go but hey lessons learned but yeah so so Basically then, Carl, you've done what I did then. Crossed over from Proxmox back over to SXI. Yeah. But, you're, but you haven't kind of let go fully yet, have you, I don't think? No, no. I've got quite attached to LXC containers in Proxmox. And there's no real uh, equivalent uh, to that under SXI. Now, I know obviously in v- oh, SXI 7, sorry, vSphere 7, I can use docking containers. So I've not explored that part because it's built in. Uh, but I say, I've got all my, all my LXC stuff work running perfectly. So I still have one Proxmox host for the time being so I can figure out what to do with that. So... It's forced me to buy a new machine. Now, unfortunately, I don't have space like you do to run rack mount kit. So most of my home lab is built on Intel NUC. Nice small boxes. They run laptop CPUs, but they've all got at least four cores, 16 gig of RAM, which I know is a bit small nowadays, fast SSDs. Uh, but I've had to buy some slightly bigger boxes now. So I've got an old gaming machine I've converted in, put a 10 gig NIC in there. But I've just bought myself a um, HP Elite desk, an 800G5. Um, I'm going to have to beef up a bit. I mean, it's got an i5-9500 in there. So that's a uh, core, six threads. But it will take up to a 9900K in there and 128 gig of RAM. So that should make a very nice uh, virtualization box. Hang on a minute. Sorry, you said an elite desk as in a consumer desktop or workstation yep and it's small it's 30 centimeters by 30 centimeters uh so it's it's not it's not nuck small but it's still pretty small uh but yeah it's got a six core it's i think the box i bought off ebay secondhand for like 200 pounds it's only got eight gig of ram but i've got 
more memory inbound and hopefully fingers crossed i might win some more auctions tonight and get some more memory there but yeah i'm gonna try and spec it out to probably a 9700k get me i was like 9900k so i'll probably try and get to you know 16 threads 20 gig of ram it will take i can put four ssds in there and an m2 drive and a space to fit a 10 gig nick in there so it'd be very good that's impressive sheen when you when you said about getting one of these off ebay and you kind of told about it and our elite desk and i was thinking what is that that's, that's not like you know the work, i was thinking like works but that's the, the HP workstations of the of the Z line, aren't they? You know, the, they are. The, this is just um, their consumer small form factor. They do they do a number of different uh, elite desks. They do an ultra compact one, which is kind of as small as a nuck. They do an SFF of small format, which is a bit bigger, so 30 centimeters by 30 centimeters. And then they do a, a more traditional desktop one where you stick your monitor on top. But to support, like you say, the chips, the CPU, sorry, and up to 128 gig RAM. I mean, that's an impressive little box there, considering. I mean, as you know, I'm after one of the Z series ones, you know, like Z600. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, the, some of the prices they're going on for eBay are driving me nuts. So this was, a, I think this is a great bargain, if I'm honest with you. It is. I, I, I was just lucky timing. Uh, they're not, they should be going that cheap very often. So I, good timing, managed to make, uh, well, I made him an offer actually, and he accepted, so I was obviously trying to uh, get rid of it quick. Um, so yeah, can't complain, I'm just waiting for that to turn up. It's been posted now, I'm hoping it'll be here tomorrow. And yeah, hopefully I'll win some, uh, well, I'm hoping to win about 128 gig around tonight. Nice, nice. Well, you definitely have to give us an update once you've got that up and running and yeah, get some do. performance on it. Um, and yeah, I reckon some, we'll have to get some pictures for the, for the blog maybe as well. But yeah, I, I know you obviously coming over to ASXI from Proxmox, one of the things that you loved about Proxmox and you introduced to me as well was the ability to um, integrate with other platforms such as Home Assistant, yeah. which we use a lot and we'll talk about, we're going to talk about a little bit tonight, but you've had, I know that you, from an ASXI perspective, you and Home Assistant really haven't been getting on too well, have you? No, so I mean, my Home Assistant is still running on Proxmox in an NXE container, running very nicely, so I've got to figure out how to move that across at some point, uh, but Proxmox is basically KVM, it's built on top of Debian, it's quite quite open so I can install a product called glances uh, to get all the kinds of stats out I want into my HA dashboard it actually had uh, home system actually has the native integration with Proxmox where I can query storage CPU usage running VMs and all have a nice draft and always in my uh, home assistant dashboard but ASXi not so much now there is a kind of a third party integration but that's not working for me so I can't get any information into my dashboard which is a bit frustrating yeah and I, I have to agree with you because that's one of the things that I miss as well for, from from Proxmox was having in my HA dashboard the Proxmox stats so, so I, I didn't ha- I could quickly look you say look at you know things like CPU usage RAM usage you know even temperature of the uh, the device and yeah we could pull some of that out through a bit more complexity you know um, perhaps things like telegraph and uh, grafana and stuff and other other platforms but yeah it's not as simple at all um no but no. It's, it's a bit of a loss actually i get you on that but yeah the nice thing is obviously once it's in ha i can build lots of automations based on it uh, yes but, you yeah. can <laughs> <laughs> but i need the data in there to do that so uh yeah no good <laughs> no no we'll have to we'll have to see what we can find i'm sure there must be somebody out there and if anybody has any ideas or knows let us know we'll uh we'll have to see yeah so you'll be diving back in shortly hopefully well that's a good point yeah so well into asxi or to home assistant <laughs> into home assistant for maybe a new integration yeah well i love i do love my home assistant i and i haven't perhaps given it the love that, that i should have been giving it for a little while um the last proper integration i did to ha was uh hue lighting and um started on that and i really you know and i love the fact the automation i have you know temperature sensors outside and in the house and gives me a lot of information i'm not you know there's no automation around it but it's good to see but yes i have a problem with my heating in my central heating in my house here so the last week we've had no central heating the you know and uh, which as it's got a little bit colder here in the mornings and that has been a little bit let's just say chilly um and we're having to wear lots of jumpers. But on inspection via the plumber who came earlier, uh, oh, sorry, later this week, I should say, uh, and had a look at it, uh, it turns out that the problem lied with the thermostat and the controllers, which was an, an opportunity, I see. I so, see time. <laughs> <laughs> I have been toying with the idea of getting a smart thermostat for my house for ages and ages, but really couldn't get it past uh, my better half in why we needed one and what it would bring. The fact that the, the controllers are is dead and the plumber basically had to bypass the controller to to turn on the the heating i was like perfectly morning yeah 
I'm like, right, now we need a new thermostat and controllers. And so I bought myself after not much deliberation because I've been looking at it for months and months is, I'm going to pronounce it wrong. I, is, it, is it Tado, Tado? Um, Tada. Tado. Uh, <laughs> T-A-D-O. Um, they do a yeah. fantastic set of um, products for heating and uh, controlling systems. And I have gone with their um, smart thermostat um, starter kit, which is um, smart. So it's a V3 kit starter kit, which gives you the smart thermostat, you know, the nice things goes on the wall, you get the internet bridge. And, you, and I have a hot water controller because I have a, uh, a boiler and a hot water tank. Um, so I need the hot water control program. It's totally wireless apart from the controller, which is uh, going to be wired into to the system. Um, and it means that I can, you know, control the house uh, through wireless. The great thing about it is you get a lovely app, uh, tells you all the controls. So I've got that set up already. I set it up before I even got the thing. <laughs> Uh, and today, today, the today the actual the equipment arrived, and I've set the thermostat up, and as in I've you know I've paired it with the bridge, and I've you know set the app up. I haven't installed the, the hot water controller because the plumber's going to do that for me. Um, and you know it's it's a fantastic kit, and the cool thing about it, is, as I know you're waiting for me to say, it's got a home assistant integration. Woo! <laughs> so that it, it I've already got it. Um, I've already got the integration set up with home assistant. Home Assistant detects it. It's given me 10 entities, so um, things that you can track, such as, you know, system, temperatures, uh, thermostat control as, as a display in Home Assistant. It also works with HomeKit. also works with Google Assistant, if that's your bag. Uh, yeah. And it also works with Alexa, if that's your thing as well. Um, so it's a great big kit. Really nice. It's a lot. I mean, the, the, the build quality is fantastic. The UI on it and the UX, oh, it's, it's brilliant. The thermostat um, is, a, is a square about um i don't know maybe sort of 10 centimeters by 10 centimeters um it has like a pixel display on there so when you press the button you comes up with the temperature really nice you know looks looks good um really clever as well is i'd only set it up and playing with it and um i had it paired obviously don't forget there's no heated controls at this point but it's it's picking up the temperature humidity in the house i opened the patio door and i got an alert on my phone saying window open detected do you wish to turn the heating off oh nice very clever I was like, "Wow, how did it do that?" And like, you know, and you know, looking into it, there, a breeze or a drop in temperature. I have no idea, but I was quite impressed by that. You know, simple little like thing. And you go into it, you know, you open up the app, and it's got like a moment. It's got me the temperature. It tells me it's got a geofence as well because uh, earlier on yeah. today, even though it just had the app installed before it arrived, I left the house earlier to go to the shop, and it popped up with you know notification that i'd left the house so the geofencing piece is cool you can set up uh, schedules on it it will auto detect um, schedules it also has um an air comfort setting so in my house it tells me the temperature outside and it tells me that um what the outdoor air quality is which currently for where i live is 88 excellent and it says indoor air is fair during the last six hours no open windows have been detected and it tells me the hallway temperature and it says uh that it's pleasant that's where the thermostat currently is and it says well done the air in this room is near perfect and there's also loads of other information around particular information ozone that kind of stuff it's really cool. cool There's a lot of information, um, so I'm really cool. And I like to say that we're going to have it properly fitted the next couple of days. So I'm going to have a real play with it, and I'll, I'll, I'll update next week's podcast on some of the cool features. Um, and I want to get, I want to get with it. So the only thing I haven't got, and I want to get with it, is um, is the smart radiator thermostat. Sorry, smart radiator thermostats, or the, you know the radiator yes. control valve. So I can put those into the different rooms, and obviously it'll turn on the heating in a room rather than the whole yeah. house is necessary, which is a cool way of doing it. zones without really having separate boiler zones, can't you? Exactly that. And then obviously what I plan to do as well is once I've got them in, um, I then can also start to build some automations with my home assistant. So the temperature sensors yeah. I've got that are in the other rooms. So actually before I get those uh, radiator um, uh, control valves I can use the sensors that are in the other bedrooms as well um, and I need to look this up and probably I'll tap you up for some help here I'm trying to work this out um, but theoretically I could build an automation that picks up the temperature from uh, the sensor and then yep. pushes it back via API to to um, to do Tadio to uh, to basically turn the heat. So yeah. this this is quite a cool uh, cool thing. Yeah, there are obviously other ones around. You've got Nest, you've got Hive, Honeywell. Obviously, other other um, manufacturers are out there. But yeah, this is this is a cool little this is a cool little thing, and uh, we're going to um, going to do more with it. So and uh, yeah, finally, 
finally taking further steps into home automation. Well done. Indeed, indeed. All it, all so, it took is a boiler blowing up. I was just going to say, it's all it took. It's all you need to convince the other half. <laughs> so, the other bit of tech news then, before we talk about some games and wrap up, is uh, Sidecar for Windows is how I've got it written in the notes card. But come on, pray tell us a bit more. Yeah. Tell us, Pray tell, my friend, around what, what we're on about here. Quite excited. I mean, so I've been following a company called uh, Lunar Display. Oh, actually, they're called Astro Sangra, but the product's called Lunar Display. And they did a, a sidecar before Apple did it. So basically the way to take, uh, extend your desktop on your Mac onto your iPad. Now, obviously it's a USB dongle or a HDMI dongle. I was like, why doesn't this work on Windows? So finally they've... Uh, branched off into windows they've done a kickstarter uh so yeah i've backed it and hope to i'll be able to take my Luna's machine maybe my laptop while i'm working when i get to travel uh take an ipad with me and have a second display to work on you know when i'm actually in business which will be very very handy when i'm stuck in a hotel room so uh wasn't a lot of money uh they all it's only the same hardware they use for Macs. so hardware isn't a problem it's just the software stack they're going to build out and it should be kind of released some point next year they said uh so yeah it looks very very good so i backed that straight away you did and then you told me about it i had a read of it and i backed it as well because <laughs> it was awesome <laughs> exactly so yeah i say if you, you're yeah well you yeah, basically, while you're out working, you're traveling, trying to do any work, especially in a hotel room where you've just got a laptop. It's not that productive when you're used to using dual screens, is it? So that ability to have another screen that you take with you anyway, because it's your iPad, you'd be watching movies on it, just be able to use that as a second screen. Sounds really good. It does. And uh, we got we got in on the super early bird, didn't we, on the on the Kickstarter, which was $49 yeah. or more, which is about 38 yeah. British pounds. And I was just looking at the Kickstarter earlier, and they are, they they wanted to get £23,000 and they're currently at 142000 So there's some demand for this then. With 25 days to go. Yeah. <laughs> so they, I, I know, they did. And it, I mean, it looks amazing. Um, and as you just said, all the great features you've talked, fantastic bit of kit, you know, and with the iPad Pros, actually, this is this is a great idea. And I've used Sidecar on the Mac. It's, it's really helpful. But having it with Windows again, is just, you know, it's going to be really helpful. Um, did you go, I can't remember, did you go with USB-C or HDMI in the end? I haven't made my choice yet. I think you have to decide oh when they finally take the money from you. But uh, I'll probably go with USB-C. Um, my work laptop's got it. My personal laptop's got it. Though I think if you're using USB-C, the, it won't work with every USB-C. Well, it needs to have display port out is built into your USB-C port. So basically, if you've got a Thunderbolt USB-C, you're good, uh, which, which I know both my laptops have. Yeah, and that, you know, I, I was, when I was looking at this, I was thinking the same thing. I was kind of like, where do I go? Which one do I go for? And um, for me... Well, so it also work on your Mac as well, won't it? Even if you're not using sidecars. If you get USB-C, it should work in your Windows. Well, this is the thing, and that, that's the thing. I, I, I kind of, I'm going to go with USB-C as well, because I kind of think about future producing here. You, everything's going USB-C. It makes sense to kind of stick with that, doesn't it? Because actually, that's- HDMI's good but i'd rather have something that i can still use in sort of five six years time whereas you know hdmi port might have disappeared by then and the usb c port yeah the usb c port is definitely going to be there um you know evidence on the mac there around the thunderbolt um cable but it's a cool device really cool yeah i say and it's kind of a no-brainer from a, a risk point of view on kickstarter i know you're we're investing and we're not buying a product but they probably have the dongles they, they're exactly the same ones the usb c is anyway as they've already been shipping for years on the Mac. So it's just the software part they need to pull off, which hopefully shouldn't be too difficult for them. Well, yeah, and they're going to ship... Not They're not shipping till May next year, so there's plenty of time to... Hopefully it's only the point. Windows software they need to sort out because they've already got the app on iOS and uh, and you know, uh, iPad OS. Yeah, exactly. So this is this is a cool little gadget. So yeah, it's on Kickstarter. I'll put it in the show notes if anybody's interested to have a look at this as well. Um, but again, you know, back it at your own risk. Um, you know, as even though they've hit the target, um, it may not ship. So again, we'll just kind of put that quick disclaimer in there. Definitely. <laughs> okay, cool. So let's let's take it to the final section for this evening. Let's talk gaming. about some games, gaming. So we spoke last time about Left 4 Dead 2 and how we were going to download and play the yes, new last the last stand campaign, which is the community based campaign that came out. Well, yep. we did, didn't we? We did have a go on it. It was my and... first go on Left 4 Dead 2 or one or any kind of version, and wow, that was intense. It, it holds up pretty well, does it? Considering what the game the game's about ten years old, isn't it? Give or take. Yeah, it does hold up well. Uh, <laughs> it's still very much Half-Life 2 engine. It, you can tell by looking at it. But you know what? When you're in a pitch dark and be chased by zombies uh, and whatnot and things chucking acid at you, uh, you don't really care about the graphics. You're kind of preoccupied with other things. And that, that groaning noise in the background of the witch. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. <laughs> don't, don't don't disturb the witch. Oh, Carl, you've done it again. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, and you were like, don't shoot the car. So I was like, what? what? Sorry. And now I've shot a car, out come all the zombies. Yeah, it is pretty cool, I have to say. Very, very intense. Uh, and not having played it for a long time myself, it was it was good to get back into it. Um, the last stand campaign, I thought, was was pretty well done. It was it was reasonably short, though, but not nothing to take it that away from, from anybody. I mean, uh, I've not got to the end. I died several times, but I mean, you made it to the end, didn't you? I made it to the end and got on the boat, you know, spoiler alert. Um... Yeah, it was all right. We, you know, what I don't know whether I'll play that campaign again because the last bit of it was just crazy. But we we started playing oh, one of the other campaigns, haven't we? The the airport one, Dead Air, I think it was called, wasn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, which is is good fun. I, you know, I think for a quick pick 'em up co-op multiplayer shooter, Left 4 Dead has still got legs in my view. Yeah, I'll definitely be saying that again. And unless and you say, shot them off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's one of those you just pick up and play for five, ten minutes, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, so I know we still have to talk about but let's talk about something a little bit newer. And you, well, we both we both bought games this, this week, but come on, we you have. first, because yours is a bigger one. So I bought the new Star Wars Squadrons game. He did, uh, he did. did. Obviously, I bought it for PC. Uh, it, yeah, it's basically... Is it X-Wing vs. TIE Fighter, but a bit more modern and multiplayer and online and supports VR, which is the big one. So, fully supports uh, hot one. Another so one. I've got my joystick, my throttle, put on my Rift headset, took it back off again, went to 2D, had to sign in my EA account, do all those kind of bits, pop the headset back on again. Uh, <laughs> but no, I got into it, and apart from having spent a little while rematch trolls, tell it's an arcade game, not a simulation, that when you pull back on the joystick, rather than going up, you went down. So a bit of rearranging there. But once I finally got into the game, it was brilliant. Very, very authentic. You just felt like you were in a, you know, a TIE fighter or an X-Wing. Uh, I've only done the single player so far, but in the single player campaign, you kind of jump between the dark side and the light side uh, through a story. Uh, so I started off in, um, in a hangar. I got into my uh, X-Wing and we went out to start scanning ships, uh, looking for rogue agents and that lot. Uh, found some, had to chase them down through some... Uh, from an asteroid uh so dying in and out of bits and pieces uh it, it was brilliant and then we switched over to the light side to the rebels i had to be in a tie fighter to um protect uh, an, um, well, protect some of your ship and suddenly a star destroyer turns up uh and i died a lot of time but <laughs> my next stage is I'm, i've got to get down low and you know skim across the top of the star destroyer i've got to take out the targeting array uh before you know my colleagues can come in and try and blow it up uh, but yeah, brilliant. Very, very intense. I think I'm spending a lot more time in that. I'm hoping you're going to buy it and join me in some co-op. Maybe buy a VR headset. <laughs> I knew that was coming. I knew that was hit, coming. Hit, go on. <laughs> Christmas so, is coming up. It is, but I've just pre-ordered Born my Xbox. Xbox Series 1. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> so the one thing that got me about this was it was pretty cheap compared to recent EA titles. Yeah, I think the longevity is probably in the multiplayer. Uh, from what I've heard, the single player is quite a short-lived experience. Uh, but yeah, the multiplayer should be really, really good. Uh, but yeah, I think it was only I think thirty-five pound on on Steam. I think that, that was very reasonable. Yes, I mean that's not cheap. Don't get me wrong, you know. Because but compared to say the recent Call of Duties or other AAA titles, they were they were like you know close to sixty seven. We've talked about this before, like you know seventy pounds yeah. or seventy dollars. Well, yeah, the new Series X games, the PS Five games, is going to be seventy odd pounds. Yeah, so you're right. It kind of like you say, what they this is a multiplayer game with a single player, I don't know, jumping on point, maybe? And you know what? I would rather pay the £35 than do the usual EA where it's free to play and now I have to do loot boxes and buy bits to uh, level up and any chance of winning where I have to pay lots of money, which you end up paying a lot more for. So much rather just pay my £35, job done, enjoy the game. It does sound pretty cool. And, you know, the videos that have come out, again, are really, really good looking. And if you say kind of co-op, multiplayer, shoot them up in VR... Uh, does sound pretty sweet. Okay, I, I, but you know, I haven't got a VR headset yet. You know, it's it's probably inevitable. It's going to happen at some point in the next twelve months. Um, got to but, <laughs> but but um, you know, I think I think it's a good one. I kind of you know, I'm in and a bit about whether or not you know at the moment back buying anything new i did buy a new game which i'll talk about in a minute but yeah i i'm interested in cs1 and i have a feeling maybe this may may get added onto the list of games that, <laughs> to play again i'm still playing i'm still playing a bit of crusader kings 3 we're still playing flight sim which again as a news bit up on that um but yeah i'm, I'm kind of intrigued, you know who doesn't like a bit of star wars and who doesn't want to fly a type uh tie fighter or probably an x-wing depending on your uh the opening sequence you're in the hangar you get strapped in you fire up the system and the music's just softly in the background the star wars theme tune you're like yeah this is good there was what was the last star wars game to come out i can't think of the name of it i haven't bought that yet the one um last Jedi? Oh, no no, no the one where you come out is it the 
the last uh, Fallen uh, Empire. Yes, no, is that one? no, Fallen Order. Fallen Order. Last, is it? Who knows? <laughs> yeah, Fallen Order. That, that was it. Yeah, Fallen Order came out last year. That was it. Um, which I really, I still haven't played yet. Yeah. But uh, you're a former like Jedi Knight. You know, it's uh, the kind of the Imperial forces are hunting you down. That kind of stuff. Um, I still haven't played that. It looks really good. I, I kind of I'm annoyed about that. So maybe this might be the the point where I'm like I'll sale on soon and now EA games are on Steam I'm sure you'll pick it up cheap well that's what I was getting at yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no I'm cool I think this is a good one and uh, yeah I'm sure you'll twist my arm to uh, pick it up and talking of VR as I was saying talking about VR um, yeah. Flight Sim 2020 then VR, VR beta then beta's just come out although I think the beta is uh, I mean I've signed up I probably won't get access to the beta so i think the first beta is going to be for windows mixed reality uh headsets rather than my oculus rift uh so we'll have to wait and see whether i get accepted but yeah they they brought out some quite beefy requirements involved i think i mean they want you to have a minimum of a 1080 ti uh, to be accepted to the beta now i've got a 2070 <laughs> so i'm not sure if i'm gonna quite cut it there it's borderline i mean i would have a 3080 if i could buy one <laughs> yeah yeah exactly but this is i did read so i read on i think it was pc gamer um they had a whole piece on this and they said they mentioned there that there was an announcement by a sobo you know the developer that they are yep. the goal for this is to have it ready for the, the hpg2 release which i thought was september so has that been delayed well I read the other day that the early access headsets were going to be released by November. Okay, they've obviously been pushed back. To say it was originally meant to be September. Yeah, I don't know. I think there's kind of contra- you know contradicting things, but I'm sure I read somewhere the last week that the, the G2s were November, or at least the early access ones, because there wasn't an official release date, was there, mainstream? Oh, okay. But yeah, I don't know. So yeah, if you get in it, let us know. We'll, we'll, we'll find out, but I'm sure you'll be under NDA, so you won't be able to say too much about it. <laughs> I won't be able to tell you I'm in it. (laughs) (laughs) I cannot confirm nor deny that I'm in the beta. (laughs) But it's awesome. (laughs) It is. Okay, so last thing to see me. So I did also buy a game this week. It wasn't a new game. It's what, a two-year-old game, I think it is. So uh, I bought Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe for my Switch. Um, I say for me, but my daughter's been playing it probably as much as I've been playing it for the last um, (laughs) last couple of days. I I just... um, I wanted I wanted a new Mario game. I've been I'm in about getting you know yeah. Mario game. You know they've got Super Mario Two on their DSs, which you know even though that's quite old now, it's just great fun to play. And I wanted a platformer for for Switch and Mario, and I've got uh, Mario versus Rabbids Kingdom, which is it's good, but it's turn based yeah. and it just it's, it's not pick up. Yeah, it's not pick up and play. So I kind of picked this up. I've got a massive bugbear around the pricing around Nintendo games, which I won't go into right now. Say sure, they're yeah. too expensive. Um, but this is awesome. You know, it, it's great fun. I I think I must have like I'm about six or seven levels into it already you know you can play um with three friends at the same time uh, if you wanted to you know there's different mario characters in it or you can play as your own um and we, we've been we've been having great fun on this you know it's uh apparently i think i read there's 164 levels or courses in it okay and there's like other modes like battle modes and stuff and rush um but yeah it's just great fun graphics are classic nintendo they're bright they're bouncy the boss levels are just as i remember like from being a kid <laughs> the frustration i had on my own earlier as i could i kept dying on, on on several levels um but yeah i i think this is a fantastic game we haven't played it it's kind of two player yet um because i know you can do that if you've got a switch with other joy con and okay. I've, got, I've got a switch light so it's a little bit different difficult to play but i guess if you've got the classic switch you know two joy cons you can play co-op in the same level uh so is this one 2d it's not like super mario world where uh, of galaxy whatever the latest one is odyssey which 3d this is more your traditional 2d mario yeah 2d with the kind of 3d visualizations that makes sense you know it doesn't look flat but yeah you're right it's a classic platform platform but great fun you know awesome fun you know there'll be hours and hours of playability um yeah despite despite the the best part of 45 pounds that I've parted come. Um, but the multiplayer piece is quite cool. I say, I think if you know, have the classic, you know, switch with the Joy Cons, we could probably play a little bit more together. I know you, correct me if I'm wrong, can you, can you connect, not physically, a Joy-Con or another controller to a Switch Lite. I don't know. I think they, they have the Switch... I want to say Switch Pro controller, is it? Yeah, the pad. Like, the pad, isn't it? Yeah, I think you can attach those, I think. But, I don't know. It's, either way, it's all cool. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. be playing this a lot. My daughter, like I say, she's, she's already well into this. I've probably, I've probably lost this now on my Switch, you know. Um, <laughs> so, but, yeah, great fun. And uh, despite the age of the game, you know, as in it's not brand new, doesn't matter at all. You know, it, classic Nintendo, you know, it has... It, 
it, it's got playability it's got longevity too and uh, yeah we're yeah. we're very happy but i won't be buying any new switch games for a little while no no oh, and to answer your question you can you can connect the pro controllers and the joy con to the oh, switch cool, Lite. cool cool so, i'd say we did also pick up another game a free one which is super mario brothers 35 because mario is 35 years old and okay there's a free game on the switch now which you can download um oh i have to grab that then it's so you need a nintendo account and all that jazz um yep. And basically, you play with 35 people at the same time. Oh, wow. <laughs> so that 35 people playing classic Mario, and it's like yours is the center screen, and all around it are other little screens for other people, and you can sabotage people, and you can race against time, um, and this is only available to play until the 31st of March next year. Right, I'll have to get on that one then. Yeah, yeah, I, we, I had a go on it, and it was just mental. It was, <laughs> it was just like, what is okay. going on? You know? It's like, this is crazy. But yeah, uh, just a little tip there. So uh, a free game on the Switch for the moment, so that's pretty cool. Well, we've covered a lot this evening. I'm really glad we've got to 10 episodes. Uh, here's to the next 10 and the 10 after that. But uh, thanks very much, everybody, for listening. I've been Jay. I've been Carl. Have a good one, everyone. <laughs>